All right, folks, welcome back to the last Mountain West Wire podcast. Football edition this time of year, obviously in July. Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennerly. This week, talking Hawaii. The Rainbow Warriors led by Nick Rolovich. Oh, geez. Nick Rolovich. He'll, he'll get, mad if he, get mad at me if I say his name wrong, right? <laughs> Probably. Probably. However, he's a fan on Twitter. He liked a tweet I had about, I saw a pair of very unique Hawaii hats here in Utah at the local lid store, so... He wanted, me nice. to, he wanted me to get both hats. <laughs> well, I don't see why not. Actually, jokes, hey, Venmo me 60 bucks, I'll buy the hats. But I did not be bold enough to say that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's us, our show here, MWR.com. Facebook, Mountain Wire, Twitter, MWC Wire. Recruiting one, if you want to check out any Hawaii recruits or any recruit in the league, MWC Recruiting. That's correct, isn't it, Matt? Is that the right yeah, one? Yes, it is. Okay, it's making sure... <laughs> It's a lot of retweets, but it's centralized place. So check that out. check that out as well. We are now. It's Hawaii. We have two teams left in the West Division, correct? Yes, we have Hawaii and we have UNLV. So and we, then we are saving the three contenders, so to speak, till the very end. And you know, for the record, those are San Diego State, Fresno State, and Boise State, in an order yet to be determined. Correct. And that doesn't mean any other team can't win the league, but those are going to be the heavy favorites. Because if you've seen the odds out there, they're extremely heavy favorites. Utah State's in there in the mix, but not quite getting the same odds those teams are. But let's go to Hawaii. So let's start with the big news, Hawaii. I guess, um, yeah, the news, Nick Rolovich, Nick Rolovich heading to year three. I guess with this podcast being done pre-media day, should we take a guess of what he'll do this year? Hmm... Because he's hired a Vegas impersonator to follow him around and a monkey one year as well. That's true. What would upstage or be on par with those cat with those um, appearances or those uh I'll say shenanigans. I don't know. You think he give he you think he could convince the university to rent out a Cirque du Soleil troupe for an afternoon? That'd be pretty, that'd be pretty big. I think the next step here's me, maybe if I'm right or wrong. He already at Vegas. He needs to be should he be a character himself? throughout media day or that be too much like him dress up as elvis i don't see why not i wonder what it would be because i remember the monkey thing he had to get permits and all sorts of things that somebody handle with them could he get um siegfried and roy are those the guys with the tiger i don't know if they're still performing i don't think they are um maybe he could rent out one of the lions from the mgm grand okay there you go he could do that he could do a uh let's see Who's on resident Carrot Top to follow him around? Is Carrot Top still doing his show down there? At the, he does. Uh, you have him. I know Blink-182 is hanging out on the weekends. If it's a Friday media day, have uh, Mark Hoppus hang around with him, right? Could that work out? He's Maybe sort of, have he's a uh, Penn, and, Penn and Teller do like a 10-minute riff just on have, Mountain West football. <laughs> just have the silent guy Teller follow him around, right? But that'd be yeah. kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> R- Rolo and Teller? <laughs> there you go. Perfect. That's it. Rolo and Teller. That, that's what we're going with. Um, we'll get on that. But let's get to Hawaii football. Year three. Um, they're sort of redoing things because new offensive coordinator, new offense, new quarterback, new running back. Any other new things I'm missing here, Matt? That's a very kind way of putting things. <laughs> what, new? <laughs> yeah, redoing things. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, in, a new interior design on the offense is coming coming this year to Hawaii. And Oceanic, Time Order, whatever, whatever it's called, that airs their games at a murderous rate of $60 plus per game. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Matt. If Fresno State had pay-per-view only options at 60-plus a game, would you pay for it? No. Even what they did last year? No. So you're saying you'd go, go to go to the game because you'd probably get tickets for far less, right? Yeah, I would. Or I would just go somewhere where someone else is paying for it <laughs> Even and if, watch it there. And maybe give them 5 or 10 bucks for a beers and nachos? Yeah, exactly. That's a good call. Yeah, that, that, that deal is just not mind-boggling. But... Back to the actual football. They lose. The biggest piece of news is losing a pretty good quarterback in Drew Brown, who's off at Oklahoma State, who could be starting for them this year. Very likely could be starting for the Cowboys during the Big 12. But we don't know who the quarterback is. We briefly discussed this during one of the other previews we talked. I think uh, post-spring we talked about this. It's guys like Cole McDaniel, a um, couple transfers like Kyle Gallup, maybe Jeremy Masoa. We have no clue who the quarterback's going to be, and I doubt we'll know until that opening game versus CSU. Well, here's the bigger picture. You know, and this is something that we talked about very briefly during the San Jose State podcast as well. You know, returning production, 
we talked about it with the Spartans having, you know, the third most offensive yards in the country coming back. Do you know where Hawaii ranks on that same list? Near the bottom? Last. Oh, so they're worse than San Jose State. No, that's what I'm saying. They're As far as returning oh, offensive oh. yards coming back, they're dead last in the country. So, yeah, worse than San Jose State, who we talked about last week. Because it's not, it's not <laughs> just that they're losing Brown. You know, they lost Dylan Cauley. Mm-hmm. They lost, you know, St. Diosme St. Juiced to graduation. Mm-hmm. And they lost his backup, Ryan Tuiasoa, to graduation. Um, you know, they lost Kilani Waliko to graduation. They lost Matui Selaonga to graduation. Good job. Yeah, Ammon Barker to graduation. Like the list is the list goes on, and it's kind of staggering when you think about, you know, not only are they having to replace so many guys, but they're also doing it while they're going back to their run and shoot roots that made them so successful last decade. And you know, I think when you're having to replace so many things at once, you know, how well is that offense going to hit the ground running? That to me, kind of thinking ahead to 2018 is the big question. All right, Matt, I got a stat for you that's going to blow your mind. Okay. Promise you, not just, well, the amount of offensive production back, rushing and passing is fewer than 50 yards combined. That makes sense. Or No, excuse me, sorry, I, let me rephrase that. I apologize. From a running back and a quarterback is fewer than 50 yards. Freddie Holly the third is the leading returning rusher from running back, twenty-seven yards. Quarterback Cole McDonald, twenty-two total yards. Cole McDonald did rush for one thirty-eight, but even if you include that, that's fewer than three hundred yards of running and passing. That's not it's good. a lot. That's it's a lot. That's a lot. God, and they like I said they lost Dylan Colley. John Arcer, here's the saving grace for offense: the run and shoot can counter a lot of defenses for a team that may not be great on offense, whether it be like the, in this case, returning talent or maybe lack of talent. But the biggest thing is John Ursula, who had multiple 200 yard games last year before he got hurt. They have him by what, what 63 catches in what six games. I want to say not very mm-hmm. many games. And so if him, they have a lot of receivers who played last year who are back a decent amount. So they have guys out there who played, but they're going to need a lot more who never played last year. Like all those true freshmen that sat on the sideline, for redshirting or didn't play to get in, if you're going to go four or five, if you're four or five wide each play, you're going to need to go minimum 10 deep on your roster, probably 13 deep for wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And that offense will allow them to move the ball at some point. And so that's why they might be in competitive in more games than we think. Victories won't be there, but they should be able to put up a decent amount of yards. Well, okay. So I just ran a control F on their, their spring roster. Oh, and they do have them? they have seventeen wide receivers, okay, on their roster. Good. That's a start. So they'll have options. Good options. Well, they do have Ursua coming back, so that's at least one. It's one very good option. I, it's but it, but it really like really it's all going to come down to who ends up under center and how good that person's going to be because. You know, if you go back and look at the, you know, run and shoot offenses of old, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be quite the same kind of offense. You know, it might be a little bit closer maybe to what June Jones was running in his last year's at Southern Methodist. But that might also not be the case because maybe Nick Rolovich has been fine-tuning the system, you know, to include wrinkles that we haven't seen before. And, you know, I think it'll be interesting, especially when you consider – the, the variety of offenses that are in the Mountain West this year. It's, you know, you have, you know, Fresno State running a 4-3 now. You have San Diego State running a 3-3-5. You know, you have Nevada running that same kind of system. And so it's interesting that they're they're striking out on this kind of new old path simply because, you know, it's it's kind of a an it's an interesting question of how well it'll it'll match up against all these different schemes that they're going to run up against, but they're going to have to figure out who the quarterback is first. And there's like, you know, the, the, the roster lists four guys, but I think they actually have about six guys besides the guys you mentioned before, Jeremy Musa, you know, Kyle Gallup, McDonald, you know, they have a, a freshman in Chevin Cordero who apparently is familiar with the run and shoot offense because he ran something like that in high school. 
you know, and he's a Hawaii product, so maybe he comes in during the fall camp. Maybe he plays well. Maybe he emerges as a viable candidate. But, you know, when you have four guys, do you have one? <laughs> no, that's a problem. Like, you know, that old adage of, yeah. you know, when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. But what happens when you have four? It's not the quarterback, is it? I, I hope not. I don't think it will. I want that. I like that. I think that, you know, this offense will be better served the sooner they figure out who's going to be calling plays. Okay, I need to, sorry, I need, I'm sidetracking the podcast for a moment. Is that okay? Yes. So now we, I should have looked at Hawaii World, Hawaii, I can never say, HawaiiWarriorWorld.com earlier. You know how all the coaches give out gifts? We need to do an article on this this year because Coach Rolovich started the idea of bringing gifts from every university. Mm-hmm. So Rolovich wants your wants your input on this. Okay. So maybe this we'll we'll talk about it now because why not? Because he's already brought macadamia nuts, chocolate. They have the Elvis impersonator. Um, talk about Brent Brennan last year wore that those nice yellow and blue shoes. Um, there's been some wine brought out. Some coaches don't disclose. So what should Hawaii take? What should Rolovich take to pass out to all the coaches? Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to Hawaii, so I don't know what's what's good. Is it possible for him to bring a, a, a you know, the shaved ice, the dull shaved ice? Yes. Can he somehow bring that to Las Vegas? Because that's amazing. That would be pretty awesome. That would be hard to do logistically wise. Um, what's a native? Can it just bring? Can you, is it boring to say spam? Some spam recipes with that us. is a little boring, yes. But spam is a pretty big deal in Hawaii. Do you know it's such a big deal that they are, there's like a, a black market for spam? I did not know that. There is a. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, but how how Hawaii would that be? Here's a can of spam with a three by five index card taped to it with a recipe. His favorite two or three recipes of spam. I do hear that spam is very versatile. That's what I mean. Now, okay, now you're kind of talking me into it. <laughs> That's what I mean. Plus, it's you. It's odd and quirky, like Rolovich. That's true. And he's already done, like I said, he's already done chocolate, macadamia nuts. I'm just saying, I, I go with spam with some recipe. What do you Google it? I, I, I could get behind that. Oh, here's a go. I'm looking at the comments. Do you ever? Do you ever eat poke? I have never eaten poke. Do you like uh, fresh tuna? I do. Poke is like fresh tuna. Freaking amazing. He should bring. He should. It's hard to bring poke as well again because it's like fish. You're not going to travel with fish. Mm-hmm. That's a. I'm just looking through the comments, but poke is really good. I, you should try. It. Go. I just get in my probably not the best. Just my local deli at the convenience store, or not convenience store, but grocery store. Mm-hmm. Just telling you, do that. Can you travel with alcohol? Will they let you? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> There's people mentioning some IPAs or some sort of beer, but um, I go the easiest one: just some spam and a recipe. There we go. Right. Yeah. We're going to have to crowdsource this and make an article before media day just to have some fun. So let's, sure. get back, let's get back to the offense. Where were you at again before I gave this podcast a 90-degree turn? Running backs. Yeah, who's going to replace uh, St. Juiced? Well, you mentioned Freddie Hawley as being the only guy with in-game experience. Nine carries, 27 total yards. But, you know, the good thing is they have a lot of options on the roster there as well. And, you know, I think – other than quarterback it's it's going to be really interesting to see like how well the young guys take to this new system because you know Freddie Hawley is a sophomore which is you know if he can hit the ground running and be you know I don't know 80 percent of what St. Juiced was last year that'd be a big win for this offense but you know they have other guys too who are rated fairly well as recruits, like you know Miles Reed's a redshirt freshman. You know Hakili Hik. Hold on, I'm gonna get this right. Go for it. Hakili Kelly Iliki is a redshirt freshman. Sounds good. To he me. was he was a three star guy in their class last year. Um, you know those kinds of guys. Like how big of a role? can they carve for themselves or is it going to be more veteran guys like Dayton Furuta, uh, you know, Kaiwi Chung, you know, you know, juniors and seniors really carrying the day in the backfield. It's not like the running game is going to be like the focal point of not, this attack. Not one bit, but a running game or, but the, but a run and shoot offense can't operate without at least a viable or at least an average running game. And so I think whether, 
it's one guy or three guys in a timeshare picking up the slack, you know, they probably won't be able to produce, excuse me, replace all of St. Juice's production. But if they can come close, that would be a big win. So what 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 should we expect from this running attack? Because this isn't a spread attack like you see Oregon who ran the ball a lot under Chip Kelly. It's not even Washington State with Mike Leach say run the ball a bit. Run mm-hmm. and shoot is not what Mike Leach does. It's not what um, North Texas did, did years ago. It's not what these teams do that run the ball. It's not even what like t- Texas Tech. That's not run and shoot. Run mm-hmm. and shoot is basically giving almost giving up on the running back situation. So what do we expect from the running game? Would Seriously, 800 yards be good enough total? I think so. Okay. All right, see. So what about the running? We already talked receivers a bit. Let's go to the offensive line. Um, Dejan Allen's a pretty big guy. They lost in the going to be an NFL roster. They bring, but they have a, guy, a handful of guys who played time, which is a pretty big deal. They still have like the Uber experience coming back outside of like a Soti Eli. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another question where, you know, I'm wondering where they lean on experience versus youth because, you know, they haven't released a two deep or anything like that, but they brought in some pretty decent guys who played a little bit along the line last year, mm-hmm. you know, like Taga Tulima is, you know, he started six games last year. He might start at center as a sophomore, you know, or at, they might turn to a freshman like Solo Vipulu. Um you know, it it is worth mentioning, like you said, they have Eli coming back. He's slated to switch to left tackle, I believe, after spending the last two years on the interior, which is kind of an interesting development. But I think it will be a positive for whoever ends up a quarterback. And they do have J.R. Hensley, who started six games, you know, in 2016, started 10 games last year. So they have at least a couple of veteran guys coming back. But then, you know... Uh, you know, they still have three positions that they have to fill and how are they going to do that? You know, are they going to do that with young guys like, and give me a minute cause I'm going to get this right. Joey Nuwanu Kuhiki. He, you know, he only played in one game last year, but he's a sophomore and he might end up starting at right tackle opposite of Eli. Uh, you know, someone like Emil Graves who redshirted last year or Juco guy like Alex Dalp, you know, they have options but they're going to have to figure out who is going to step into those starting spots sooner rather than later. Well, with this run and shoot offense, what the really thing is that they want to get rid of the ball super fast. So, yeah. it's, not like, so, so it's not like you need these hulking guys who are 350. No, that's huge. But, you know, I mean, like, look at Eli. He's 315. Um, Hensley, 310. You don't necessarily need these huge guys. You just need guys who can get a big burst off the line and hold. Well, not I guess not pass. You're not going to get a burst four because you got to can't be downfield. But, you know, you got to have that big first initial lock your guy up and don't let him get past you and may, and push him to the outside. If you're the tackle, uh, don't let him come inside. Push him out. you got to be strong, but not necessarily huge. Like, look at uh, Mike, Mike Vanderpool, 6'6", 285. He's huge. That's not overly huge because 285, while big, he's up 6'6". So guys mm-hmm. like that who have strength, you can get that first initial push, the knockback of the defensive lineman, give whoever's – throwing the ball time to throw. You don't necessarily need to drive them to the ground. It'd be helpful mm-hmm. if the guy can't get up, but you don't necessarily have to hold back for five seconds. They want to get rid of the ball super quick. So that's yeah. another thing as well where you don't have to be, like I said, these 325 linemen where you're just pushing guys around. You just got to give a, a good upper body. Don't give up that first push. Don't get faked out by a swim or spin move. Just knock the guy back, stun him. That should be good enough and – Hopefully the quarterback gets rid of the ball within those couple seconds. And that's what you want to do in this offense. You don't necessarily have to, like I said, you don't have to drive them to the ground. You don't need to hold them forever, but just uh, get them off their game. By the time they recover, the ball should be out of the quarterback's hand. So, I mean, I was curious to see what kind of production they could measure up with as to what would be a satisfactory result for this offense. And the only team I could think of, that has run the the run and shoot in recent memory was June Jones's SMU teams. And so I went back and I looked at how they performed in the, at least in the last five years, they were in conference USA, which is 2008 to 2012. And their best single season performance was in 2010 when they finished fourth in the conference with an overall quarterback rating of 136, 18. And 
by comparison, I'm trying to look up what they had and what they were in 2016. And, you know, Hawaii, Drew Brown especially, it was 131.75 when they went to a bowl game two years ago, two seasons ago. So, you know, I think that's ultimately where they want to get to. But then that same year, you know, that, that 2010 SMU year, they threw 31 touchdowns against 14 interceptions. I'm thinking that's probably not going to be the case. You know, I think what's more likely, if anything, is, you know, the very first year that June Jones arrived in Dallas when they went 1-11 and in 2008. They had 29 touchdowns and 25 interceptions. Ooh. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty wild year all around, and I think if you're expecting anything, you know, they're probably going to sling the ball around a lot because they did throw the ball 476 times that first year. I would kind of expect to see something along those lines, especially since the running game that year wasn't really all that good for for the Mustangs. I'm, you know, maybe they'll be a little bit better with uh, with Holly behind whoever's at quarterback but you know that first year this is another interesting stat i totally forgot about this 2008 smu averaged 2.3 yards per carry whoa whoa, 2.3 2.3 that's not good and had three total touchdowns that's awful i mean i don't think hawaii is going to be that bad it's you know there's a huge difference between where they were last year and you know where smu was in that first year that system but it is it is kind of interesting to think about to look at what other teams did with the run and shoot in recent history and try to figure out okay where does Hawaii need to be at to be successful you know and i'm thinking this year they're probably going to be you know pretty explosive pretty erratic and overall maybe a little bit frustrating so what do you like overall from offense we've been kind of going over bits and pieces are they good where do you think they'll be is this running shoot going to be successful in your own because it's going to be off people are going to be caught off guard a bit like you said early on especially in this league where look what air force runs look what new mexico nevada boise on the offense side everybody runs something different and it's going to be just oh crap another different offense we got to go up against i think they can put up yards i just don't know if points will be there well here here's the thing that the, and this is probably the biggest difference between this year's Hawaii team and, and when June Jones brought the run and shoot to SMU. John Urshua is awesome. Yes. You know, and you mentioned he played in six games. He had 47 catches, averaged over 14 yards a catch. He was his his average target was over 10 yards down the field, and he had a catch rate of almost 75. percent You know. I mean, I, I I think he'll be hard pressed to maybe put those numbers up again, but he should definitely crack a thousand yards easily. You know, it's who among those other sixteen guys are going to step up because they do have guys who played a little bit last year, like Kamoku Noah. You know, he played in how many games last year? I think he, well, he made one start. I know that much. But, you know, he only had 11 catches, 140 yards. He's probably in line for another role. You know, he's probably one of those inside receivers because he's only, you know, 5'11", 175 that wreaks havoc between the hash marks, you know. You know, Marcus Armstrong Brown's kind of a big target over, you know, on the outside, six foot three, 200 pounds. He only had 24 catches last year, though he did manage a catch rate of almost 67%. So, you know, he's probably in line for the role, too. But they're going to need three or four more guys, whether it's someone like Cedric Bird, who's coming over from JUCO, whether it's Dakota Torres, who was listed as a tight end but could easily play you know, on the outside, I would assume. Or you know, even some of the younger guys that they brought in more recently, like you know, Michael Washington was a three-star guy that they brought in their most, in their most recent recruiting class. Excuse me. So they have options. And they have at least one or two guys that have shown flashes of potential. But like you said, they're probably going to need three or four more in order to make this thing work consistently. I just think it'll be hit or miss throughout the year in offense because this offense – I think you're right. It's like when we go when we go through the schedule, like versus CSU, week one, Ramsey fits in great, maybe. That's a chance. 
go up against Rice or Duquesne or San Jose State. I mean, or when they face like uh, Fresno State has a good defense. That'll be tough. Utah State, it'll be hit or miss even when they play teams that don't have a great defense. But mm-hmm. let's just uh, move on to the uh, defense anyways for Hawaii. Snellico was great last year. They do bring back Jelani Tavai. Is that correct, right? Is that close yes. enough? Close enough, Yeah, right? you got it. You got it. Yes, nailed it. All right, he is back. He's going to be their best defender by far. About 100 tackles. They bring back three of their four starting linebackers from last year, but they have a treasure trove of experience back, and that's probably going to be their best unit, I think, because they're going to need to replace half their defensive line that's gone. And while they gave up a lot of points, a lot of yards, even UMass to give up too many points in yards, I'm wondering if all these guys who played a ton last year, and some of them played pretty well, like even going to like uh, Somali Matuti, jeez, Matatua, they get back uh, Malaki Mageo from injury. Maybe he'll get that same production back he had a couple years ago. They have some chances on defense to be pretty good, but the front four or whatever they run, the defensive line and the secondary is where there's a lot of holes to be filled, and that is problemsome from a team that is not going to, have have the ball on their side too often to keep other teams off the field. I mean, yes and no. I think you know. I think you could probably make the the optimistic case and the pessimistic case. You know, the optimist says that you know they have guys who you know even if they didn't make a lot of starts last year, still had you know at least some playing time. And I'm thinking of guys along the line like you know Jeffrey, or, no, excuse me, uh, Zeno Choi, for instance, who's heading into his senior year. Started five games last, or played in five games, excuse me. Had two and a half tackles for loss. So, you know, he was kind of a a, a role guy who's probably stepping into more of a, a starting role this year. Um, you know, Samuela Akoteu. I think I got that right. You know, he, only, <laughs> he, only, he only made one start last year. Um, or rather, excuse me, in 2016. He made eight starts last year. You know, he's a guy in the middle who can maybe take the sting out of losing someone like Vianney Moala, who transferred to Utah. Um, but I mean, there's still two spots on the offense, on the defensive line, rather, that they're going to have to figure out whether it's a Juco guy like Jeffrey Keane on opposite of Choi, whether it's, you know, one of their recent three star recruits like Max Hendry, you know, or one of their highly touted recruits from those past recruiting class, Blessman Ta'ala. Who is big dude at 6'1, 310 pounds? Maybe he can play his way into the starting lineup right away. So, what do we like? You might have guys who come in, but like, don't they? Uh, maybe I should have read this before, but isn't Hawaii also replacing their defensive coordinator as well? Yes. So, you have that. <laughs> oh, man. I. This team is going to be a mess. Like, am, could this team be worse than San Jose State? I mean, I think the potential is there. I mean, we haven't even we haven't even talked about the secondary yet, which has, you know, a pair of okay corners in Rojustin Ferris and Eugene Ford, mm-hmm. but they're having to replace both of their safeties. And while again, Ikem Okeke was a three-star guy who saw a little bit of playing time last year. He started twelve games, but he only, you know, accounted for six tackles. You know, he's probably stepping into at least one of those starting roles. You know. And again, Hawaii brought in Juco guys to possibly fill in the other spot, whether it's, you know, Kalen Hicks, who made three starts, or whether he gives way to someone like, you know, uh, Manasseh Time. So again, they have options, but I just don't know how good those guys are going to be or how quickly they're going to come together. And when you consider that, at least by opponent's quarterback rating, this was the worst unit in the conference last year. You know, I it's hard for me to see how much improvement there's going to be. I'll give you one possible area. A lot of guys played last year. That's, That's that, true. I, I always say, I don't care if you have experience. It's, it's, it's better than not having experience. However, if you were good last year, who cares if you played every single game and started every game, but seeing the field does matter a bit. So it just comes down to, like I say a lot, like, okay, you played last year. You weren't great. Hopefully you get better th- by playing last year. You improve by another spring. You know where you played another fall camp. Just more playing more football gets you there. So that's the one positive that they have a lot of guys you saw the time. But also, look at the guys they redshirted last year. All these redshirt freshmen are reasonably high recruits. Every single one I think is better than play that is on the roster who played last year, except for like one. I know Micah Tolliver, and you look at the three redshirt freshmen down there, 
they're all in that range that are could be maybe those guys stepping in at DB and maybe start or become a key backup. They're going to need some, some of these new guys to step up and play well or guys who played in only six games or seven games last year to maybe go out there and have a couple pass breakups because they only had four picks last year on the secondary. Mm-hmm. That's not good at all. Yeah, they had four from the linebacker group, but they need to create more turnovers, and it's going to be sketchy because when they play like in their schedule again, Rams are going to throw the ball a lot. You have um, what, not Wyoming, but um, – Nevada's going to throw a ton. Um, San Diego State's going to run a lot against them. UNLV can run and throw. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a good thing, but they're not facing many teams that are pure throwing teams. So that's going to help that secondary a bit. Outside of, the, really, if you look at it, the Rams in Nevada, that's about the only teams that are going to throw a ton. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they see the focus on the front seven to where maybe the defensive line is going to be a bigger issue because we know Wyoming's going to – who knows what they're going to do? I'm not going to talk about them. Navy's going to run a lot. CSU runs a lot. Army runs a lot. You know what I mean? San Jose State hopes has a better running back. Um, Fresno's going to want to probably maybe well, they're 50-50 there, but San Diego State for sure. They're going to be the biggest concern for me is maybe the front, the front seven, where the secondary may be okay because of who they're facing. Still be exposed when because Fresno's going to throw well. BYU's going to try to throw well, but maybe it's not big as big as a concern we're making it because of who they're playing. I mean, maybe, you know, I think one thing I'm looking, I'm looking out, for stuff. Come on, I'm looking. <laughs> I'm just saying, I was just going to say, you know, I think one thing to keep in mind is that they, they placed a lot of chips on bringing in Juco guys this past year, especially on that front line. Like, you know, we, um, we talked about, you know, several players and we didn't even mention other guys that they brought in like, um, like Justice Tavai, you know, who could play in the middle of that defense. Um, I'm tr- sorry. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the guy I was looking for. You know, uh, Mason Maraafa was a JUCO guy from Orange Coast. Um, you know, Derek Call or Derek Thomas from Cerritos. So they they have three or four guys that they brought in this past offseason to try to step in and compete to plug those holes right away. And you know, if it works, then great. This defense is probably going to come together a little faster than I think maybe you and I intend. But if these guys can't get the job done, it could be a really long year. Well, we'll see. I think it's gonna. I think they're gonna struggle a bit. So let's go to before we get to schedule. Let's go to the uh, special teams really quick. They do have a uh, punter who's back. who should be pretty good, right? And uh, Stan Galden. No, this is, is gonna, this is gonna be the worst special teams in the conference until further notice. Wait, you think so? They were bad last year. But they have a less returning talent. Oh wait, I don't abide by that too much. Um, they have all the guys back though. Isn't that something? Can I can I change it to that is good for something? Hey, this guy made four or five field goals within thirty nine yards. He only missed one out of forty plus. <laughs> Do you realize that between Alex Trefanovich and Ryan Meskel, they were four of nine on the year? Four of nine for what? Kicking on field goals. Oh wait, I'm looking at PATs. Maybe that's why I'm confused. Oh geez, I need to open my eyes up here. Here's um, a fun fact, courtesy of Phil Steele. They didn't make a single field goal at home last year. Oh, boy. Did they, How many did they attempt, attempt at home? Do you have that? <laughs> I don't have that in front of me, no. <laughs> but, but still, I just, you know, regardless, that's, fun, that's still I mean, that's like one that. of those fun facts that you know, maybe it isn't quite a fun fact. Maybe for opponents. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, and I think maybe it is worth noting that, you know, defense, the Hawaii defense last year, you know, on average we're starting from a, out their own 30 yard line which is right around the national average so i mean at least they have that going for them punter's but, not too bad come on give me punter a little bit they're okay in punting yeah i guess stan gaudian's okay yeah um also here's 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 what doesn't know punt returner they're both gone or, or dylan call is gone or so is probably not gonna return too many punts how about we do this remember in rocky long years ago threatened not to punt on fourth down or kick field goals if you got the run and shoot offense, what fourth down should be included, right? For passing. I mean, I think it would depend on where you are on the field. I, guess I, don't, think, I don't know. I don't know if you necessarily want to go full BYU, going you know fake punts from your own goal line. <laughs> but I'm no. I'm not talking about fake punts. I'm talking about fourth down offense stays in the field. Well. I think it's worth noting that that's something that Hawaii already did. Ramp it up, Rolo. So, Come on. More more so than just about any team in the conference the last couple of years. They were number one in fourth down attempts in 2016, and they were tied for first last year in fourth down attempts. Well, maybe that's why they had no field goals made at home. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, they weren't nearly as successful on fourth downs last year as they were on as they were in, in Rolovich's first year. But I think that, you know, if special teams is going to continue to be a question, I think it's a positive for for Rolovich and for kind of, you know, stat heads like me, for instance, that he sees the value of kind of pushing the envelope a little bit when push comes to shove. Like if you're at the opponent's 40-yard line or the opponent's 30-yard line, to take that chance rather than punting it away for, you know, a field position gain of like, what, 20 yards or something like that. I found so I think so that they have that going for them. I too. found the that answer. Willingness to be aggressive. Matt, I found the answer. They attempted three field goals at home. Hmm. Fun note: Air Force only attempted four at home. Interesting. So yeah, there's that. Just I wanted to find it. I'm like, I'm gonna find it. They yeah. were yeah. So that's uh. So okay, maybe they're not gonna be very good. All right, I'll take a quick timeout. Schedule time because Hawaii plays 13 games and we need to get moving. So we'll be back here in uh, just a minute. All right, you ready for schedule talk? Let's do it. As always, they open up week zero. There are, I believe, three total games on week zero. Two are Mountain West games. This is the earliest ever. This is what the game will be noted about for Hawaii a lot. This will be the first conference game for the Mountain West and the earliest ever. Because they're playing, what, August 25th at the Ram Stadium. Um, Isn't it Canva Stadium? Isn't that what it's called now? Canva Credit Union or something? I believe you are correct. Yes, they got some pretty sweet marketing deal for our money. Um, that would think of naming right still not marketing deal. I guess that's all marketing, right? Same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get the brand out there because I guess you have to say we're at hey this bank stadium here to get your money's worth. Um, at the Rams, here's how this game will be competitive. I'm going to pick a CSU victory. I'll just say it now because I already mm-hmm. did so in our Rams podcast. But here's why it'll be fun for Hawaii. This is the first time the Rams will be seeing this offense. The Rams' offense, excuse me, defense isn't very good. Rams will have a new quarterback in uh, KJ Carter Samuel. It's very likely, well, unless you want to believe Bobo saying Colin Hill will be ready, which is false. Just saying it's not going to happen. But I think this will be interesting because Rams will put up points or will, will allow points because their defense has not been great. And look for this to be like, I think a lot of points can be scored in this game because I think Hawaii will move the ball well. A, new offense. B, Colorado State's defense isn't very good. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to find much to disagree with there. Yes. It just kind of <laughs> seems like the kind of thing where, you know, we know the weapons that Colorado State has coming back as well as some of the weapons that they're bringing in. You know, not just, you know, old BC Johnson on, on the outside, but someone like Preston Williams transferring in from Tennessee. You know, maybe Colin Hill, but if not, you know, like you said, Carter Samuels and things like that. To me, it just kind of seems like it's going to be too much for Hawaii to handle right away. Mm-hmm. It'll be close early, early on, but I, I'm going to Rams victory, as we already stated before. Yeah. All right, then they host Navy. Uh, Navy, we already talked about Navy a little bit in the Air Force preview. They lose a couple guys, a couple key guys. They lose their quarterback, was Armand, Armand Bradshaw, correct? That's Army. Oh, Army. I, no, Navy is the team that moved wide one, receiver, quarterback, one quarterback to wide receiver because their I, other quarterback was so good. There you go. That's what it was. I, I knew there was some move, moving around. I should maybe pay attention a bit more here. But they host Navy, which is a, what, 6,000-mile trip plus? Mm-hmm. Something ridiculously long. That'll obviously impact you a little bit. Navy's pretty good. They're, they're going to run at – like what, what do you say about Navy? The fullback dive every play. They're just going to run and run and run, and they've been really good the past couple of years. And it's just going to be a game where if Talahi or anybody else on the defensive line could stop or linebacking group could stop this team, that'll be the key. But with that defensive line, like we mentioned, they're losing their top three guys. Navy's going to run run and roll in this game and score a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, I think they do have some questions on their own defense, but you know the midshipmen have enough offensive talent where even if Hawaii, excuse me, even if Hawaii is able to string some scoring drives together, I don't really see how they're going to be able to keep up or even be on the field long enough to to be able to win this game. So Navy by a landslide. I wouldn't say by a landslide, but I think it will be a fairly comfortable win, like maybe a 14 to 17 point win. Because right now the uh, projected, where to go? When the was S and P plus their margin of victory is only eight points. Yeah, I think it'll be a little wider than that. 
Okay. All right, so we're sitting at 0-2. They host Rice. This is a weird game. Rice, this used to be, for those who remember, Rice and Hawaii used to be in the same conference. That's true. For the what, old whack. For what, two years? That sounds about right. I think it's about two years. So I don't know a, a, a ton about Rice. Do I, I do know they are um, in Conference USA. They're a bunch of nerds. Right. Smart here's, here's what I know about Rice. New head coach? Rice sucked last year. They sucked as long as I've lived in Houston. They've always sucked. Well, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they won a Conference USA title. Was that when they had a Todd Graham as their head coach? I believe so. No, actually, that was Dave Bailiff. Oh, yeah, Dave Bailiff, who went to Kansas and failed miserably. Or she's still at Kansas. No, you're thinking of Dave, uh, what's his name, David Beatty. Maybe, okay. But you're right, they do have a new head coach in Mike Bloomgren, who comes over from being the offensive coordinator at Stanford. You know, Rice was awful last year. You know, they got blown out a ton. Um, they were 1-11. But unlike Hawaii, they have pretty much everybody coming back on offense. You know, they have their leading receiver, Aaron Cephas, who only caught 25 passes last year, but averaged 25 yards per catch. Pretty good, I would say. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, they do have their top Three, excuse me, three of their top four runners coming back, each of whom averaged at least four and a half yards per carry. And I guess the prospectus about their presumed starting quarterback, Jackson Tyner, is that he's a big guy, six foot five with a big arm. So, you know, he's going to have people to throw to. If it's anything like the Stanford offense we're accustomed to, it's going to be a very ground-based punishing kind of game. Yeah. He'll use that big arm to hand the ball off to a nation Elbury. <laughs> yeah. But they bring they, I mean, it, they bring back everybody, which is a big deal. Quarterback, receivers, every running back imaginable. They're gonna run the ball. Like, look for like seriously, Elbury or maybe even Austin Balter. Both those guys will have at least eight hundred yards minimum. Yeah. I mean, I think Hawaii's gonna give themselves a chance, if only because Rice too is losing a ton on their defense. You know, they have a couple of starters along their defensive line in Roe Wilkins and Zach Abercrombie coming back. You know, like Hawaii, they have a pair of cornerbacks who are pretty decent in D'Angelo Harris, excuse me, Ellis and Justin Bickham. But, you know, this is a game where Hawaii, you know, if things are going well, you know, it's going to be much easier to move the ball against Rice than it would be against Colorado State and Navy. This will be one of the games. I'm going to pick Hawaii to win this one. Partly because Rice is awful, and that's part of it. I know. I think it'll be. I think they'll be able to run the ball against this defense and get some points. It'll be a competitive game, but I think Hawaii, what what Rice has done normally, historically, especially because like a defense or defense is supposed to be pretty bad as it was last year, like maybe one twenty bad. Uh so yeah, that's why I'm going Hawaii for one. So, and also hold on real quick, Matt. Turnover margin minus twenty three last year. Oof. Minus 23. <laughs> That's something to keep an eye on. Not total turnovers, turnover margin. Oh, I know. I I'm heard just, you. I'm making sure people are not total, like not San Jose State minus 41 turning the ball over. This is margin. So that's one of the few victories on the schedule. So here's what we have coming up next. They go to Army, which it's going to be a clone of Navy, except you're going 7,100 miles to the East Coast, to West Point. And Army's actually pretty good. We talked about Army before, but like I said, they do lose their quarterback. But Hawaii can't win this game, can they, going that far on the road? I wish I knew off the top of my head when the last time Hawaii won a game on the East Coast was. Let me look at that real quick. Let's find out. Um, I know they played Florida on the East Coast. Um, who else they played in the East Coast? Oh, wait, no. They played UMass last year and won. Just kidding. Oh, last year. <laughs> so much for us to get it. But that was a close one, right? Yeah, they opened up at, 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 at Amherst. Yeah, so... Never mind. But I think it is worth noting that, you know, like you said, we talked about Army before, but Army's a much better team than UMass. And honestly, I feel like the Black Knights are going to roll on this one. Really quick, I'm going to sidetrack the podcast again. I happen to search, like, Hawaii Football East Coast. Did you know, did you know there's a Hawaii Professional Football League? The HPFL uh, there was at some point? I did not. Uh, the domain, hawaiiprofootball.com, is up for sale, so if you want to buy that, you can. 
It was founded in 2010, played, tw- I think, one year, 2011. Teams, the Honolulu Volcanoes, the Wainai Sharks, the Kalula Storm, and the Koalalu Hurricanes. So, there you go. Interesting. Just saying. Let's get back to this. Get back to the show here. Sorry. <laughs> Just side right. everyone. So, um, Army lost. Uh, they'll beat Duquesne, right, obviously, FCS team. Yeah, Duquesne's not bad, but I don't <laughs> think that they have enough to be able to to beat Hawaii. Are they going to beat San Jose State on the road the following week? No. No. You're saying no? I am saying no. You're saying they're going to lose to Hawaii. I just yeah. think as well, so, because it's, it's on the road, so. <laughs> Not to build I, think, I, think, I think maybe we could save ourselves a little bit of time. I think you're right. This is similar to the San Jose State podcast. I brought up that game because San Jose State's going to be one of the teams they can beat on the schedule. They are given yes. – here's an interesting note. It's a close – well, not note. Sorry. It's the exact same thing. They're basically – this is their second best – third best chance to win. Rice mm-hmm. 60%. San Jose State 55%. Being a road game, what the Spartans probably can do with Montel Aaron throwing the ball. Running game should be better with Tyler Nevins. This will be a close one, but Hawaii's uh, not going to get done. So – you finish up. I know what you're going to say. We're going to kind of just ran through, run through these final seven games here. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I can run through them in a single sentence. I don't think I don't think they're going to win a game after Duquesne. No, I not BYU. No. I think oh, really quick on that game. I'm just looking at the numbers, not to dive deep into it one bit. I'm think I think these advanced numbers are like BYU more than they should. Because I think they have a better chance to beat BYU than they do. Um, well, maybe not. They're giving eighteen percent is too low for me. It should be much higher. BYU's gonna be terrible this year. They're not gonna be very good. I just think eighteen. Give me eighteen percent. That's way. That's basically they're giving them a better chance, a five percent better chance to beat BYU than San Diego State. I think the difference is much larger than that, right? I think you're. Probably right about that. I'm just saying. I'd say BYU's more long than the Wyoming Ranger, close to at least 22. percent Come on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm surprised. I am surprised Nevada's up 41 percent chance of victory, only a four point margin of difference. It is at home. Nevada's played terrible at Hawaii. They finally got that victory. Was it two years ago? I think on the islands, or was it last year? Recent, well, okay. Recently. So here's here's something interesting that might relate to what you're trying to argue regarding the BYU game. Do you know how many? Do you know how many games the Warriors have won in the Mountain Time Zone since they joined the conference? Okay, you're telling me that they play a lot of games that time zone, and they're in the conference. I guess in four. One was it the Air Force game like two years ago? Yes. <laughs> one game? Are you kidding me? They They've play... won one game in the Mountain what? Time Zone since coming to the conference. That's ridiculous they half the leagues in the mountain time zone well you forget they don't play in the mountain time zone that often they play three every team in the mountain division is in the mountain time zone right yes so they play okay this they, either, they either play one or two at most sure. away from hawaii though so they like play... last last year for instance they played at air force but they had new mexico and boise at home True. Yeah, they play three every year. They'll play one or two. And then in 2015, they were at Boise and lost, at New Mexico and lost. But still, they've been in the league since 2011, right? 2012. So this is their sixth year? Mm-hmm. Their seventh year? Yeah, seventh year. So six years in, they've played. I know we they, the league has expanded, but if we go by what we have now, it's 18 games. If it's, but I know that's not accurate because the schedule went from 10 to 12 teams. That means it could be, if it's 18 games, uh, maybe 10, 11 could be in the mountain time zone for league games at most. At most, yeah. Okay. That's still, that's still a pretty cool nugget. Even even when you break it down to see how often or not often they play, you'd still think they have a couple when they play in teams like, I guess New Mexico's been better the past couple of years. Wyoming with Josh Allen, Utah State's always pretty good. And the mountain division's just better in general. But yeah, is, it, looks like, it looks like it's usually 
you know, two games on the road one year, one game on the road the next. Wait, wait. So who's the victor? Who do they beat then? Oh, no. We already discussed that. Sorry, Air Force. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> the overtime. Never mind. I'm like, wait, who is the team? I was already told you at the beginning. My memory's awful, apparently, tonight. Uh, that, is no, that is a good note there. So out of the teams left, who's the best chance of victory? Or That's terrible English. Out of the teams left from Wyoming on, who do you think they're going to get a win against if they do get a win? Or do you have, let me ask you this, do you have a win coming the rest of the way? Do you have Well, a- I already said they don't. Okay, neither do I. But so- I think if they were going to pull an upset somewhere, I think that it would probably be at home versus UNLV. I won't say the same as you, but I think that's correct. I think Utah State could be the next best team. I think they're. I think it helps that their best chances of an upset come when they're playing at home, because mm-hmm. you know going to Fresno, going to San Diego, those are that's kind of a bad draw for for this year's team having mm-hmm. to go on the road for to sure. play both of those teams. Yeah, but you know it's not as though their odds, you know, the percentages by S P plus are hopeless. Like they get forty one percent chance against Nevada, and they get a forty two percent chance against the Rebels. But I think that at the moment, you you could say that there's maybe one or two more pressing questions about the UNLV defense Mm -hmm. than you might say about Nevada at this point. Yeah, Nevada seems way too low for me. Like, I know their defense isn't great, but the offense, am I too high in the offense thinking it's going to be possibly the best in the league? Is that. And I mean, I think there's an argument to be had there. And so that's why I'm saying 41%. I know it's a home game, I know Hawaii struggled at Hawaii, but. I, I figured 30% would have been that game because that defense can be scored upon. And they were closer to knocking off UNLV on the road last year than they were on the road at Nevada. Yeah, I would put Utah State above Nevada for a victory because maybe, maybe it's still me not trusting Utah State because I don't really like – they haven't run the ball well. The offense hasn't been great. Defense is still building back up. It's going to be better. But I just – maybe it's me just still not trusting Utah State because they lose every close game over the past like three years. Yeah, I think you know their their best case scenario this year comes down to defending Aloha Stadium because you know historically they've been better at home than they have on the road, and last year was the first time I think since 2013 that they won fewer than three games at home. So if they can get back on that winning track, at least you know on their home turf, you know the games are there, the matchups are there where. If someone comes in and they catch them napping and they can pull an upset. Okay. So what's your record then for the year? What do you think? So I have them at two and 11, Oh, and eight in conference. Dang. I'm exactly the same. So they, so that would put them worse in the league. That's only because they play the one extra game. That is wild. But I don't think no, necessarily... no, would it be? Isn't it? Would no? If they lose to San Jose State, they would have no. They'd be the. I have them last in the division. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they beat. They lose to San Jose State, so they have to be last, not just because they have an extra game. Yeah, and but just as a reminder, I also had New Mexico at zero and eight in conference as well. Oh, I forgot. I was thinking of the division. So, but I do think that that shouldn't necessarily threaten Rolovich's job security at all, even if this year is kind of like a reset. You know, we talked about last week when we talked about San Jose State as being, you know, their 2017 was kind of a year zero. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that it's quite the same kind of situation for Hawaii this fall. But, you know, if there's a rough go of it, you know, I think it's the kind of situation where, you know, he's still recruiting fairly well. You know, he's recruiting guys from Hawaii to stay home, you know, and he's bringing in three-star guys from the mainland as well. And I think that, you know, coming off the bull berth in his first season, that he's earned more benefit of the doubt than, you know, another head coach at a different kind of program might. Because, you know, winning at Hawaii is never easy. And winning consistently, you know, only one or two guys have ever done it. So, you know, if... They score points in bunches and give up points in bunches. And, you know, the win-loss record doesn't necessarily reflect the progress that they're making. Like, I really hope he gets another year or two to you know, build this program in his image 
to give him a chance to bring back those Warriors offenses of old because I feel like it's probably going to be inconsistent this year. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be interesting. And it's going to be – I'm looking forward to watching this team and seeing how they progress. No, I think I think so as well. I think it's a possibility it could as the season like as the season goes on, could be a team where they get better and better just because offense yeah, more people see it, but it's also they'll get better in timing and get more things down in running this five wide set. So that's yeah, why if, I, the, if this offense comes together, it's the kind of it's the kind of team where they could ruin a team's bowl chances. Yeah, because that's why like especially with a guy like John Ursua. Yes. Like, he is, like, I know he wasn't high in the Athlon and, like, Phil Still. Did he make Phil Still's first, second team at all? Uh, I don't have that in front of me, so I don't know. Like, in our top 50, did he make, he didn't make our top 50 countdown, did he? Yes, he did. Where was he, has he been announced yet? To be determined. That's a tease. Okay, dang, I was going to pull some up here. Uh, I'll, actually, I'll pull up for personally, so I'll, I'll, I'll say where I put him at. Is that okay? Ursua, by the way, was a third team selection in Phil Steele's magazine. Could it be argued he could be the best receiver in the conference? If the quarterback production hits, like, I don't know, the 90th percentile, like <laughs> if the offense just comes flying out of the gates, yes, absolutely. Okay, I will say this. I am the highest on, well, barely by our so Never mind. For some reason, I thought he was super low. Maybe somebody else I'm thinking of. But, like, I know you got Keyshawn Johnson at Fresno. You have, like, McLean Mannix. But I think, like, maybe it was me. Like, you are a little bit, a few spots lower than me. He's still TBD on the list, which means he's, at this point, he's not he's not between 36 and 50. Yes. I thought I was high where I put him at, but I think, like, he could be the best receiver. I know things have to fall the right way. Numbers are a big deal. But if you have a guy like that who had two a pair of 200-yard games in an offense that was not, what, 70% passing, I don't know if I'll pass that much, but, you know, I mean, overwhelmingly passing. Mm-hmm. And if they have a few other guys, like he could be a guy where, honestly, in this offense, if the QBs like people like Cole McDonald because of his big arm, what would surprise me is a game where he's like sixteen for two fifty and two touchdowns. Like you could tell me, like what BYU's done secondary. I know they have like what, what's his name. Well, they don't have yeah. They have Troy Warner out there. He's pretty good secondary. But you're telling me he can't go up against BYU and go for that many yards. Nevada, who's gonna that's gonna be a hundred point minimum over under. You're telling me versus UNLV, the secondary that's not gonna be that great. Like. Even to get San Diego State, he'll find room to run and get the ball downfield. May not be a great game, but he'll have some plays. Like mm-hmm. he could be a guy. Like maybe I'm crazy, but I don't see why not. Why he can't be the best receiver in the conference? Should we just end there? Is that my mic <laughs> mic drop finish up here? Say. <laughs> I really want Hawaii to bring back the run and shoot successfully. Yes. Because I think with the that this conference has, you know, that one more wrinkle is just going to make every week that much more fun to watch. It's true. It's like, again, like, not to, we'll get into this in our big preview, but if you don't watch the Mexico, watch the Mexico. They're a pretty good offense. Nevada's going to be super fun. Hawaii has potential to be great fun in the run and shoot offense. Boise State, just because, yeah, it's not, offense isn't really, quote, fun. It's efficient, and they'll run a handful of plays here or there just because that's what they do. Some fun type of plays. Not all the time, but look what they had with um, the tight end. He touched the ball, touched on every time. Like, every offense. Fresno State's going to be better offensively. San Diego State, if you want to watch great ground attack, a pro style, watch them play. Air Force with their run option attack. Every offense is fun. Like, San Jose State, whatever. But Montel Aaron, there's excitement there, I think, what he could be. So even if you don't watch the league, I know if you're listening at this point, you're invested in Hawaii. You like the league, you want to hear us two guys jabber about the conference. It's a good thing just to watch football, especially evening hours. There's only, what, Pac-12 and maybe a random Big 12 game that starts late. Watch, go out of your way to watch, if you can, when Hawaii's in the mainland, watch them play Navy. That'll be one of the most contrasting style of games all year when they play Army and Navy. Or even when they play – they don't play Air Force this year, do they? No. But like no. When, when they play those two service academies, watch that game. When they play CSU – there's only going to be like four games on TV. This is probably the biggest game of the whole season. I mean, excuse me, of the year on week zero, Hawaii at CSU. Watch that game. Watch this team. There's so many good teams and not, well, good team relative, but good, different offenses to watch. You know what I mean? Like watch, New Mexico might win three games, but watch them play. They can break off a 60 yard run anytime. Hawaii 
Ursura could go off for 15 and 300 one game because of what he can do. So that's my pitch to continue to watch the conference harder. <laughs> Amen. All right. So that's, that's our Hawaii wrap up here. You say two and 11. I say two and 11. Uh, it's going to be a tough year for Rolovich with the new OCs on board. Um, so that's it for this show. Next week, we'll finish up our Western division with UNLV football. Also, if you um, really quick, if you go to our Patreon page, um, backslash MWC wire, or patreon.com backslash MWC wire. It would help if I give the full URL, right, Matt, to let people know where to go? Usually, yes. You can find our stuff ad-free for the most part if you want to give us a couple bucks. This podcast, no ads, free early. Not free, but early. Way early this time because we did two tonight. Um, and just help us out. Give us a buck here or there. Give up your big gulp once a week, right? Is that fair to ask for? It is fair. I've done it. Do we give more energy to the from this show than we do a big gulp? Yes. There you go. That's our pitch. So, again, Blog Talk Radio, tune in, Stitcher, anywhere you can find a good podcast, Apple Podcasts. We are now on Google. Do you do you use Google Podcasts? That's a new thing, right? No, I use Pocket Casts. Okay, so do I. But I think Google Podcasts is a new thing where it's not the Google Play Music. I am pretty sure we're on there. If not, let us know. We'll make sure we're on there. So just subscribe if you'd like us. Um, share the show. Um Give us five stars, but you can give us whatever review you want, um, great or not, but that would be appreciated to help us out. And one last thing, if you want to go to mwcwire.com, see how that's different, Matt? mwcwire.com. That's why the URL is important. It is, that, exactly. Head over there. We have a, about two dozen pretty good offers if you want to earn a few bucks, help us out, get some free stuff, um, just lots of stuff. Good. I'm, I'm not going to read everything off there because I'm going to ramble, but check it out. Maybe there's an offer you'd like that costs you $0 but gives you money back in return. Help us out. Help, help a brother out, right? Word. All right. Next time we'll talk Rebel Football, and we are getting very close to football starting, and see you next time, folks.